So welcome everybody. Joining me today, I have Chris Barbin from Aperio. I'm so thrilled to have him and he's going to talk to us about the future of work from his perspective. Chris, please share with us who Aperio is, the companies that you work with and for. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the the questions that everybody's waiting to hear your answers to. Mm, Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. Uh, Yeah, so Chris Barbin, uh, CEO and one of the co-founders of Aperio. Uh, we deliver you know, next generation worker and customer experiences uh, on top of the leading cloud solutions in the marketplace. So we partner with folks like Salesforce.com, Workday, Google, Amazon, Cornerstone, uh, folks that have been pushing the envelope on, on cloud. And we bring those solutions and help medium to large enterprises transform uh, the way customers and workers uh, are enabled to uh, to be productive and uh, you know and drive value for their organizations. Yeah, fantastic. And I had the honor of working with you for two of your events and uh, was really impressed with Aperio and what it does and how it helps organizations really align with the cloud to to move business forward. So one of my first questions, uh, Chris, for you is, how do you see cloud impacting the future of work and and where do you see? The future of work. You know, there's many CEOs that will be listening to this who are going to go, "Yeah, we're not sure about cloud, or we're, you know, we've tried Salesforce, or we've tried some of these other solutions." Give us a, your your sort of look at where the future is going with cloud and how it'll impact business. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we've we've been at this cloud thing now for uh, uh, eleven years, so uh, it's definitely not new to us. And I guess when I think of um, you know, the future of work and uh, embracing and engaging the next generation workforces. I mean, I think about my kids. I mean, I've got, I've got teenage kids and just watching the way, you know, they work, the applications they use, uh, the hyper-connectivity they have, the amount of video they use, uh, the lack of email in many cases, you know, whether it be text or Snapchat or Instagram or things like Visco, I think of like they're the next generation workforce that we have to cater to as CEOs and executives. Um, and I think you know embracing you know that again hyper connectivity, you know highly mobile based solutions, uh, remote workers. You know those are some of the things that I think uh, you know not not in the next three to five years, but you know over the next you know 10, 20 years. I mean I think the the desktop concept of working doesn't exist. It's very much, uh, you know, it's very much mobile, you know, maybe iPads, you know, maybe even virtual reality is what, uh, you know, the, the, the next generation workforce will look like. Yeah, no, I, and I, I'm on, on side with you. All the research I've done in my current book, The Art of Change Leadership, points to what you're saying. And when we look at the future, and I love that you said cloud's been around for 11 years. And yet, you know, you know no disrespect to anybody listening, but there's many who still are very confused by cloud. And they don't understand the impact and, and they haven't got on board yet. What are your thoughts on that as to why that still is prevalent for a lot of companies? Yeah, I actually think that's very, very true. And while we've been at this as a cloud solutions provider for 11 years, folks like Salesforce have been around for 17 years. And, you know, they yes. are the real pioneers there, here. And um, if you look at the overall market, the market we play in, you could argue that we're only 10 to 15% penetrated. Uh, mm-hmm. The market's growing very fast. 
But you know, that leaves 80, 85, 90% of large enterprises that haven't made the transition to cloud-based solutions, that aren't realizing the benefits. And as a result, maybe not attracting the best workers out there because their tools and technologies are antiquated in many cases. And I think it's largely because the historic systems they have or the on-premise systems that they have are very hard to rip out. You know, change mm-hmm. is tough and mm-hmm. uh, it's expensive in some cases to make a shift from an old school on-premise mainframe if you're in the financial services institution or an Oracle or SAP that's been in a big data center. So I think the, ch- the change curve for many folks is just daunting. Um, and at some point, you know, you have to leap in and uh, adopt these types of solutions or you're not going to attract, um, you know, great employees, which will in turn uh, not allow you to attract great customers because, you know, we believe they're very much intrinsic, you know, very much linked the two. Yes, when I worked with you on your tour, you know, really the, the focus was a customer experience led by employee experience. A happy employee is going to deliver happy customer experience. Um, so why do you think companies need, you know, I hear you say, you know, change is painful. I agree with that. That's the same research that I've, you know, discovered as well. And expensive, you're right. Uh, what I find with a lot of uh, senior leaders is they don't want to make a decision that they fear they might have to replace or or may not be fully integrated into the organization because of the habits or the structures that have been in place for many, many years. So, you know, talk a little bit about the success stories you've had with integrating cloud into some companies, you know, to the level that you can share, uh, you know, some examples, yeah. some client examples, maybe, maybe give our, our listeners some examples of where it's worked really well. Yeah, I think that the, um, you know, leading companies, you know, they generally speaking, you know, they will start with, an application or to a business unit or to a function or to uh, and embrace, you know, a Salesforce, a Workday, a Google, you know, kind of get going and, and break this mindset that these programs take years to go live or and cost hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, the fact of the matter is, and the experiences that we have and what we've done with our customers is you can deliver real value on these cloud-based solutions you know, in weeks and months, you don't need to wait years or decades. And so I think the leading organizations that we've worked with, they dive in that way, again, by function, by project, by region. But then once they see the results and the users see the results, they become almost euphoric about what else can we be doing? And then it, it moves from projects and programs to end-to-end transformations, and really taking, uh, you know, a, a, a forward-looking approach to, you know, what we think is an all-cloud world. You know, in the end, mm-hmm. if you can embrace an all-cloud infrastructure, uh, it's much, much more efficient than having to manage data centers. Uh, you know, in the end, all of that work is better done by, you know, a utility, if you will, a utility like a Salesforce or a Google or an Amazon, you know, much better than you doing it as a retailer, as a bank, et cetera. So when I was participating in your worker experience tour, I know one of the companies that spoke on integrating cloud solutions and with Aperio's help was UPS. Can you talk a little bit more about what UPS adopted and, and, and how they, because they're an example of a multinational organization that, you know, may have struggled with integrating, you know, a, a cloud solution. So perhaps we could talk about them as an example. Yeah, I mean, UPS and uh, I'd say, you know, many others, they'll start with, you know, either Salesforce automation, where they're providing better tools, uh, mobile enabling, uh, collaboration, 
to drive productivity across their sales organization. Uh, in, in that particular case, I believe there was also a call center component, you know, much more sophisticated uh, call center where in many cases, a level of automation, even AI, things like Salesforce Einstein to uh, solve tickets and cases. Uh, there's a level of monitoring in many, many cases where you're looking at, uh, you know, social monitoring, you know, across the, uh, you know, across the calls, uh, uh, you know, inbound calls or requests that are coming in. And so I think, you know, the, the folks that are looking at their legacy systems and identifying, you know, again, not only what their customers want, but the tools that their employees need to be productive. I think that's one of these things that's often lost on organizations is if you don't make the change and you don't migrate to the you know, next generation systems, you're going to end up with a, you know, with a, with a stale workforce. Um, you know, people, I mean, I, I like to say that systems are company culture. They're one in the same. And if you want a strong culture, an agile culture, you know, an aggressive, you know, culture, if you will, you can't give them crappy tools. <laughs> You've yeah. got to give them yeah. next generation sophisticated technologies. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So um, how do you see, you mentioned AI and you mentioned, you know, social monitoring, like some of those automated services. How do you see AI or robotics um, inter integrating with cloud? I know when I was at your worker experience, we had Alexa give some examples of it, you know, morphing with the technologies. How do you see that in the future uh, becoming more and more of a norm? Yeah, I mean, I think just the, you know, whether it's Alexa or, you know, I know, you know, for home automation, as an example, um, you know, being able to, you know, order in my kitchen through my own Alexa, but over time I look around and, you know, your Nest thermostat, you know, will be an audio input device. Your Sonos speakers could be an audio input device. You know, those that, you know, listening and understanding your behavior, what you're ordering, who's around, and it may sound very big brother, uh, but I think the, you know, the level of automation in the home, but also, you know, what that can do in the workplace, you know, will become more and more uh, prevalent. I don't think mm -hmm. we've really understood all of the, the use cases quite yet. I think, you know, Amazon is doing some great work in this space. Again, I think Salesforce is doing some great work in the space. You know, robotics and manufacturing, somebody like Tesla, you know, it's, it's absolutely incredible what they've been able to accomplish, you know, even with their Model 3 series. Uh, you know, it's a you know, highly automated, you know, quote unquote workforce that's you know, entirely robotic. So, uh, you know, even Wipro that we're now part of, you know, they have a broad platform called Homes, which is an AI platform, uh, which you know, in the last year has, you know, automated over 12,000 uh, FTEs uh, wow. across the customer base that, that Wipro serves through mm -hmm. a collection of bots uh, and, you know, natural language processing and, intelligence that's been built up based on delivering value uh, across, you know, 300 major organizations around the globe every day. Wow. So, you know, we, you know, we look at this futuristic workplace and we go, okay, and, and, you know, you, I'll back up and you said, you know, the employee, if the employee's not happy, first of all, it's not about just employee happiness, attracting and retaining those employees, as you know, is a big challenge for most organizations today. And research has shown that the more tools and resources and technology support you can give them, the happier they are. Um, talk a little bit about the ex the customer experience side. You know, what? How is cloud computing, robotics, all of these technologies helping us deliver a better customer experience? Yeah, I mean, I think the um, you know from a from a customer side, I mean, again, I think about how I interact. Um, 
and order products and services myself. I mean, being in tech, you know, it's very rare that I'm going to a retail store anymore uh, uh-huh. or shopping. And, and, and obviously, lo- I love the bold move Amazon made to, to acquire Whole Foods. Yes. Um, you know, yes. the, ex- the expectation of a, of a consumer and the next generation consumer is, you know, so instantaneous. And I think that comes back to the youth, you know, the expectation of highly performance app, you know, on their phone where everything happens in an instance. Mm-hmm. I think those, you know, that's the merging of physical and virtual goods, you know, where I can, whether it's, the, you know, push the quick button and get a bunch of bounty paper towels or, you know, where I want food delivered in 20 minutes from, you mm-hmm. know, Uber, uh, Uber Eats. I think this level of just instantaneous gratification uh, and the merging of virtual and physical goods is going to be really, really fascinating. And all of that is, is absolutely enabled by the cloud. You would, the, the amount of data and intelligence that Alexa is gaining and AWS is gaining through all of the requests and everything it's hearing every single day, mining that so it's better and more efficient. I don't think we can really understand how powerful that will be, you know, over the next 10, 20, 30 plus years. Yeah, and it's funny because even Elon Musk, you know, some of, some of these guys that are really leveraging a lot of the technology, some of them are afraid of what you just said. You know, when you said Alexa's gathering intelligence and, you know, I think that that's some of the fear that comes around when we talk about this, right? Is people feel like there's a loss of control of, of data or there's a loss of control of, you know, private information. But I, I completely agree with you that what it's doing um, uh, I'm actually going to be speaking at a TED talk and I'm talking about will robots make humans better humans. And, uh, right. you know, all my research has shown that what robotics and AI is doing is taking away the mundane, the stuff that used to require time and effort of a human is being replaced, which then frees up humans to do more of the things that we're good at, you know, which is the, the connection, the collaboration, the, the human to human contact what what's your thoughts on that do you feel that that's where we're going as well yeah i would agree i mean i'm not a uh, fear the fear the robot kind of a guy mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. while i love the uh, movies like ex machina i think yeah. that over time <laughs> this is you know this is beneficial and will be uh, to your point you know helpful from a societal benefit uh, standpoint but also to uh, you know to organizations corporations and and it's more to me i think about the uh, the need for knowledge workers, the need for uh, what I'd say critical thinking skills. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a big push around, you know, edu- STEM based education. But in many cases, I think some of the softer skills, critical thinking skills, you know, what I'll call liberal arts skills are yeah. actually going to be at a premium because a lot yeah. of the automation uh, will be built in. And so yes. that's the, you know, as you think of the disruption to the higher education system over time, I think will be mm-hmm. fascinating as well. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with what you're saying. So, you know, from from a uh, from your perspective, for anybody listening who is it be saying, okay, I, I'm interested in you know bringing on Salesforce into my workplace or any of your solutions workday. What would be the first step that a company like Aperio would do with a potential client? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking. I, I mean, the, the the one thing that we like to do is a you know pretty quick down and dirty diagnostic. You know, we call it a virtuous cycle diagnostic. It contemplates your current worker experience, your current customer experience, thinks through what kind of outputs you're looking for, benefits you're looking for, and then drives a level of recommendation around, you know, which of the cloud solutions would fit best to your needs. 
and we can start quickly. It doesn't have, it's not a boil the ocean, you know, big, long Gantt chart, three-year program, but yeah. we start with the, what are the needs? What are the business drivers? What are the outcomes you're looking for that would drive a you know, world-class customer and a world-class uh, employee experience? So that diagnostic is definitely the first step. We don't start with, hey, you're on Oracle and you want to go to Salesforce. We start with the business drivers, the business outcomes. I see. Excellent. Good. And so, you know, Chris, I know I'm cognizant of our time and, and, and your valuable input that you're giving here. What's your personal vision for the future of work? Like you've given some, I mean, your, your comments about, you know, you're not afraid of robots and, and all that stuff, but you know, let's, let's sort of take a vision five, 10 years down the road. Where do you think we'll all be, what do you think we'll all be doing in regards to the, the technology and the work? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in uh, very flexible work models, uh, whether you want to call it the gig economy or the virtual workforce. You know, there have been many examples over the years, whether it be things like top coder and crowdsourcing or live ops, and they do virtual call center, um, virtual call center work. But I think that, the, you know, again, the, the future generations, you know, because there's a level of immediate gratification, they will move much, much more to smaller units of work and to have a very flexible network-based working environment where you can work from anywhere in the world, you can collaborate very effectively, you know, you don't have to drive and get stuck in traffic to go to a physical yeah. office anymore. But I think organizations that can embrace this, you know, networked working model uh, kind of meets the, the gig economy. I think that's a uh, a very powerful model. And so the tools, the technologies, video collaboration, again, I think virtual reality, I'm pretty excited about what VR and augmented yes. reality would mean. Yes. Um, yes. I'm, you know, I'm standing in my kitchen right now, but I could see if I sat down here and, you know, I think in 10 years, I may see five people sitting around this kitchen table that I'm interacting with mm -hmm. and working on a project that's hovering over the kitchen table. I mean, I mm -hmm. really believe that we're, we're in that horizon in the next decade. Yeah, I agree with that too. You know, in my work as a consultant, I find that a lot of people, it's getting from where they are now to that reality. And I, and I really believe it comes down to, and you said it at the beginning of the interview, the, the fear of change. And I think there's a psychological factor there that, that people need to overcome. Um, I, I just participated in a podcast a few days ago where the interviewer asked me, so why aren't CEOs making the changes they need to make around technological innovation? And I said, it's, it's their personal bias and fear. They're afraid of failing. Yep. They're afraid of making the wrong decision. And they're afraid of, of and in fact, when you look at all the top companies, fail, failing fast is a, is a key component of innovation and then moving forward. So um, I think that, you know, for me with these podcasts and, and the interviews that I'm doing with you is helping other CEOs see that, you know, there's a, you already have it, Chris, because you're a very progressive guy, but you've got that mindset of accepting and embracing the future versus yeah. being afraid of the future. And I think that's a key component. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think a lot of the larger organizations, they've got so much um, money tied up in, in technologies and infrastructure that just run the business every day. You know, yes. the numbers are 70 to, 70 to 80% is dedicated to running the business. I think leaders need to, force that number down like literally every single year not by one or two percent by you know tens of percent where mm -hmm. it's completely flipped the run has to be 20 and the transform change govern needs to be 80 but that's a yes. very hard thing to do when when the scale yes. 
you know, could in some IT budgets, you know, can be measured in the hundreds of millions or billions. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. But I think what's going to happen is massive disruption is going to continue to force the change. It, we're seeing that, you know, you yes. use the example of Amazon and Whole Foods. I mean, I, I personally did the happy dance when that happened because I'm an totally. Amazon pr prime, you know, person. And to be able to now have Whole Foods at my door in instant is like, and the prices got driven down. <laughs> so there's, you know, yep. this, this huge advantage. So from a consumer standpoint, you know, we're, we're doing the happy dance, but you can, you know, I can hear some of my CEOs cringing going, yes, Cheryl, but don't you see how that is like, that's the new reality is these major disruptions are going to force the change, whether, you know, the, the leaders are willing to make those changes or not. Yeah. No. And if you don't get on board, you, you know, your market position, if you're, two or three, you know, will quickly drop to five, six or seven, you know, and then you're forced into, you know, irrelevant. So That's you know, right. if you're not trying to, you know, fight for the top, you're going to just get pushed to the bottom. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so, it's so fun for me to talk to a like-minded person who sees the future in the same, in the same way that I do. Um, any final thoughts or, or words for leaders on how they can embrace uh, the reality of, of this future? Any thoughts or, of wisdom? Yeah, I, th I think, as I said, I mean, uh, being open-minded, being progressive, taking a risk. Uh, one thing that we've learned over the decade is that there is a, there is a, I guess, a stigma of large-scale technology projects that, you know, hey, you got to get all your requirements in and they're going to take years. Um, the fact of the matter is with cloud technologies, you can bring and drive value very, very quickly. And if it's not right the first time, you do it again in weeks. You can iterate much more rapidly. There isn't a lot of sunk time and, 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 uh, and cost. And so I think that it's not as big of a leap uh, an investment as you think. Just get going. Yeah, no, that's excellent advice. Thank you so much, Chris, again, for your time. And for anybody that is wanting to know more about your company, it's Aperio.com. And I'm guessing that you're on all the social networks, Chris, Facebook, Twitter, yep. LinkedIn. Yep. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Hit, hit me on any of them. And yeah, I very much appreciate you having me, Cheryl, and look forward to uh, continuing our discussions in, uh, in the quarters and years to come. Wonderful. Thank you. And take care. And uh, thank you again for your time. All right. Take care. You too.